You're listening to the Awesome Podcast Network. This is 80s Revisited. I'm your producer, Jesse Sedgley. And now your hosts, Daniel Sanangelo and Trey Harris. Hello. My name is Aningo Montoya. You're listening to 80s Revisited. Prepare to laugh. I hope. Maybe giggle a little. We'll see. Here are your hosts, Trey Harris and Daniel Santangelo. Thank you so much, my childhood hero. Aningo Montoya just introduced our show. Oh, God. I don't think I've been this happy since my wedding night. <laughs> I seriously, I'm so happy right now. Thanks, right. everybody. Yes, this is 80s Revisited. I'm shaking so much. Your blast from the past. <laughs> oh, Daniel Takeo. I'm Trey Harris. I'm Daniel Sanangelo. And our producer. Jesse Sedgwick. Oh, thank God. <laughs> that was amazing. I feel like Meg Ryan at the dinner table, at the lunch table in Harry Met Sally. Yeah. That was amazing. But we are here today to talk about, to celebrate, if you will, one of the greatest movies ever made, bar none, The Princess Bride. No. Dun, dun, dun. Not even a smile, Daniel, <laughs> just like a look like you're going to keep you going? Gonna be, or you're gonna... you can be mad at me. Uh-oh. Oh, shit. Uh, if, if I do murder him, <laughs> you can delete this immediately, right? <laughs> But yeah. uh, released September 25th, 1987, a glorious day in the history of the world, probably only preceded by the release of every Star Wars movie with the exception of the prequels. Uh, IMDb 8.1, Rotten Tomatoes 96% fresh. That's right. Yeah, let that sink in, Daniel, for you tell me <laughs> how, what you think of this movie. No. $16 million budget, which was estimated, which was exactly the same as the previous movie we did, Harry Met Sally. Uh, opening, this is shocking, 206,000, <laughs> I should have, I should have had a more, more dramatic pause there, $206,243. You should have said like 2 million six hundred. oh wait a second, pennies. that's a dot, not a comma. <laughs> that's, what, that's what you said. Like, that would have worked, adding the zeros. Uh, domestic gross, 30.8, uh, and much like Harry Met Sally, I couldn't find a world, any, any data for the uh, worldwide gross number. So it did make its money back. It almost doubled its money, uh, but it wasn't a blockbuster hit by any stretch of the imagination at the theater. Not that they it needed to be to be as good as it was because nobody wants to see a sequel to this because they ended it perfectly. It definitely kind of turned cult classic, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it was. Yeah. It's much like some other of our shows, alumni. Yeah. Like, I know you're not going to like it, but Big Trouble, Little China, Monster Squad, uh, several other ones that we've done are... We're talking about them because they are cult classics in a sense. Yeah. Uh, the thing was one too, uh, but yeah, uh, and we did. We kind of joked about this on the way over here too. It's sort of, last week and this week is sort of like an inadvertent Rob Reiner twofer, yeah. since he also did Harry Met Sally, and of course he did direct The Princess Bride as well as Stand by Me, Misery, and a few Good Men, and it was written by William Goldman. Uh, he also he wrote the book The Princess Bride as well as a screenplay. Excuse me, and he also wrote. Uh, the Kilmer, Val Kilmer, and Michael Douglas classic Ghost in the Darkness, at least classic to me because I really like that movie. And also Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid was written by none other than Mr. William Goldman. Yeah. And he also, yeah. another Rob Reiner tie-in, sort of like a Burton depth kind of thing going on here with this movie and the last one, so many ties together. But uh, William Goldman also did the screenplay for Misery, which was Reiner's project right uh, after Harry Met Sally. So 
all kind of ties in in a weird way. Uh, the music, we always like to talk about the music. I really like the score for this film. It was done by none other than Mark Knopfler, who you might better know as the lead singer of Dire Straits, mm. who had such hits as Money for Nothing, Your Chicks for Free. So he did the music for it, surprisingly. You wouldn't think it, since he's not exactly known for that, so yeah. to speak. But yeah, uh, we'll get into that more in the trivia. There's some interesting things that brought that about. Uh, but starring, great in this movie, <laughs> Carrie Ells, yeah. uh, as Wesley in the Dread Slash, the Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh, also, uh, he was in Glory, Robin Hood, Men in Tights, uh, Twister, and unfortunately he was in Saw. Uh, <laughs> and then... Liar, liar. Oh, yeah, he was. Mm-hmm. You're right, yeah. Uh, crush. Oh, well, was, yeah, he was. He was the one that she had the crush on. <laughs> yeah. Oh, these 90 movies are coming back uh, to me now. Like, ah! <laughs> well, not Liar, Liar, but... Liar, Liar, Sandy's. It was? Yeah. Really? 96. Wow. Something like that. 97, Jesus. 98, one of those. We should have, you, when we first sat down, to, when I told you about the idea for this podcast, you said, no, we should do 90s revisit. I know everything about 90s movies. I know a lot about them. Or 80s, 90s. <laughs> yeah. Late 90s. Early, uh, I mean, uh, late 80s, all the 90s. Anyway, that's a different podcast down the road. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, the great, iconic character of Inigo Montoya, played by Mandy Patinkin, better known as, I mean, or not, not, not never better known as anything other than Inigo right, Montoya, right. but... Uh, mainly, he'd mainstay on television. Uh, he started out in Chicago Hope, not, didn't start out, but he had a big role in Chicago Hope, and then also oh, wow. uh, Criminal Minds. I've been he, watching Homeland. I didn't realize yeah. that's him. I was about to say, and more recently, he's been on Homeland. I think, uh, that's going to be that, hard to watch that now. big beard on Homeland that <laughs> yeah, he has in that picture? Yeah, he has a big beard. Uh, we have Showtime, but I've never watched that show. Did you, um, you would be starstruck if you met him? Yes. Because uh, okay. he's, it would be akin to, and I'm going to get into this later, too. It would be like seeing Val Kilmer. Okay. Not because he's Val Kilmer, because you're motherfucking Magmartigan. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go up to him and quote, like, hey, man, you were a great Jim Morrison. You were awesome uh, Doc Holliday. I'm going to say, you're motherfucking Magmartigan. You like, would say you're the greatest swordsman that ever lived. I'd, I'd say that to him. <laughs> but in my mind, I'm like, almost as good as an Ingo Montoya. Yeah. But uh, if I saw Manny Patinkin on the be like, oh, my God. And, like, actually uh, reading some of the, like, his his personal trivia on IMDb, like, he says he... On an average day, he gets asked that twice. Like he gets told the line, the famous line, "I am an Ingo Montoya." You come up here today, and he said he, he's unlike. Uh, I guess uh, I'm trying to think of an example, like our uh, Kevin Bacon, who hates being tied to Friday the Thirteenth in any form or fashion. He he to this day says like the role of Ingo Montoya was the best thing he ever did, and he and mm. he just loves that it's such an endearing and uh, memorable character. That's good. I always hated, I always hated that when people had this just famous. And they they're kind of typecast. Yeah, Cap, uh, and William then, Shatner was like that for a while. Yeah, and then they get David aggravated with it. That made you. Yeah. Like, I can't. I know it's got to be get. It got. It has to get annoying. I understand that, but that that made all the say by the bells. Yeah. They they're all type. You know, not typecast, but they are all known for that person. You're never gonna look at Mark Paul Gosselaar. Yes. And, and think of anything you know, other than remembering initially. Oh, there's there's Zach Morris. No matter what he does. Exactly. Yeah. You know. But uh, some actors have more, you know, Harrison Ford, like, you know, Indiana Jones and Hans. Hans he's like two of the greatest characters ever, one act, you know. So he's sort of like almost an anomaly in a sense. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody else at the top of my head. Well, I always, I love Mad Morgan and I love Doc Holliday. Yeah, well, that, yeah. that's a great yeah. example. I mean, like, uh, of course, I, Mad Morgan is my favorite character that yeah. he portrayed, but Val Kilmer, classic Val Kilmer, had very memorable characters, yeah. like a variety of them, not just. Mad Mardigan. Of course, he was Mad Mardigan to me until the doors and until Tombs. Like, wow, like he's 
he's great, and that's a, a, a perfect example for that statement too. Uh, but then you have your David Duchovny. He's like, oh, I'm I'm not creepy like him on the X Files. I'm really a good actor. I need to play something else, and he plays something else, and he's just Mulder anyway. <laughs> that's you know, that's that's not your. I mean, that's your it's fault. Like, uh, I mean, that's not Mark Wahlberg is always Mark Wahlberg. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Kinda. Yeah. And if he doesn't play Mark he's Wahlberg, different he's extremes of himself. Is he's what in he the is. happening. What? No. There you go. I'm sorry, Mark. It's true. <laughs> There's yeah, he what? doesn't play Mark no. Wahlberg in The Happening, but that's one of his worst. That's like that's like the shy Mark Wahlberg. What? No. <laughs> hey, hey, plant, you okay? Don't kill us. How's your mother? What? No. And then, but, you know, I mean, not that bash on I him, did, but I mean. I did like him in The Fighter. Like, there's some things I've, I didn't I've like liked. The, I didn't, just didn't like that movie, yeah. personally. Like, I thought it, Christian I, Bale was the star of that movie, and he deserved, and deservingly so got the Oscar I think for it. I didn't mind Fear. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. It was, in a sense... Uh, just a maskless horror movie mm. in a way. Uh, kill, I mean, in you the played a thriller. good, you know, maskless villain. Like, yeah, I, I thought he did a good job with that. But uh, I mean, to me, Mark Wahlberg's greatest role was the other guys. Yeah, <laughs> that was just you didn't like Dirk Diggler. Nah, I mean, Boogie Nights is a good movie. It's just mm. like it's it's not one I will watch again. I mean, yeah. I saw it once. That's enough. Hmm. I couldn't get into Roller the other Girl. guys. I don't know why. Uh, I mean, we uh, actually, my wife got it. Uh, I guess Christmas before this past one. I thought it was Christmas okay. before that. I didn't know anything about I mean, I knew about it, but I didn't see it. But, like, watching it for the first time, I was just blown away. I was like, it's one of my favorite comedies. Wow. I just mm-hmm. loved it to death. I mean, from the the opening with Samuel L. and The Rock, I mean, just is. <laughs> I wish they would do a sequel to that movie, but it's a prequel with Samuel L. and yeah. The Rock as those cops. That would be a great movie by itself. Definitely. But I would say, I mean, Mark Wahlberg has grown as an actor, going from like, oh, it's Marky Mark. Well, speaking of the same thing we were talking about, he hates it when you bring up Marky Mark. Mm-hmm. Um, the only time I ever like, uh, or not the only time, but because uh, it was on a highlight on VH1 or something, where like uh, he was on TRL with uh, Eminem, and Eminem knew he hated it, so he kept saying, yeah, me and Marky Mark, you know, he kept saying Marky Mark <laughs> instead of like Mark Wahlberg. And you could visually see Mark Wahlberg like getting mad because yeah. he was being referred to as Marky Mark. But I mean, come on. That's why you're well. That and your brother, who was a new kids on the block, is the only damn reason you're famous. Yeah, you, be, you know, if anything, you should ha- not like people saying, "Oh, your brother's better than you for some reason." Which, <laughs> which I don't guess he is. I don't know. I don't compare the Wahlbergs, but <laughs> anyway, where are we? Oh, the lovely Robin Wright, formerly Robin Wright Penn, mm-hmm. as Princess Buttercup. Of course, uh, she was Bruce Willis's wife in Unbreakable, and M Night Shyamalan Lama Ding Dong film. Uh, she was the queen in the uh, Zemeckis CG Beowulf. Uh, and also, more recently, she was Brad Pitt's wife in Moneyball. And you're oh. missing the biggest thing. What? She's Jenny. Oh, in Forrest Gump. Gump. Yeah, <laughs> duh. Should... As you see, I just saw those. Oh, the highlights. How, how is Forrest Gump not the number one for her? I know. I, I do not That's... understand that in the slightest. That's a good point. Mm. I, honestly, I did not think about it until you were saying mm. it right there. Wow. Simply because That's there was... the only thing I yeah. could think of. I knew her, person, yeah. Other than Princess Bride. But I mean, there's like as you, as we're going through this, you see there's like I didn't twenty think cast about people here we're talking about. Huh. I don't, even, yeah, that, I don't remember until I looked it up. That's where I definitely remember. I mean, she's Jenny Coran to me. Well, she's <laughs> Buttercup to me. So <laughs> fuck your AIDS-riddled, suicidal, drug addict whore, Jenny. She should have loved Forrest from the beginning, and not like after oh, afterwards. Like well, she had some life lessons to learn. I guess. <laughs> Touche. But uh, Andre the Giant is Fezzik. What a great character in his own right. Uh, of course, he was just playing Andre the Giant, basically, but <laughs> so, such a lovable character. Yeah. If, uh, and uh, 
course, he was a wrestler at the time, but also, this isn't his first movie. He was also, do you know what else he was in? Nope. He was, have you seen Conan the Destroyer? Uh, I couldn't tell you a lot about it, no. Okay, well, I guess that's another future episode. (laughs) Anyway, but uh, in the end, he fights this huge beast. Andre the Giant was in the suit. Mm. So Mm. he actually fought Schwarzenegger before this. Uh, And actually, him and Schwarzenegger were friends off, out of the ring and off camera, so to speak. Uh, Naturally, I guess because of him being a professional wrestler, Schwarzenegger's bodybuilding, et cetera. I mean, they tie in in a way. Uh, But the villainous and vile Chris Sarandon as Prince Humperdinck. What an asshole. Uh, And he tends to always play an asshole. He's one of those, he's like William Atherton from Die Hard. He always ends up in Ghostbusters, who tends to (laughs) play an asshole pretty much. Uh, Of course, from the great 80s horror film Fright Night. Uh, he was the vampire in that, and also he was the horrible preacher in Bordello of Blood uh, in the 90s. Uh, and Mr. Jamie Lee Curtis himself, Christopher Guest, was Count Rugen, the six-fingered man. Uh, he he kind of remind um, the fart Chris Sarandon. Mm-hmm. Kind of reminds me of Harry Hamlin a little bit. He does. He, and, he, they, yeah. they do look... At least know, they can, be, they can play brothers. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean they, they resemble each other in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Christopher Guest is Count Rugen. Uh, Another Rob Reiner alumni. He was in This Is Final yeah. Tap uh, and also Best in Show, but he is married to Jamie Lee Curtis and he does a lot of script writing too and hmm. uh, stuff like that. Very funny guy. And, uh, you know, you have, your, you have, your, you have your, your three criminals in the film. You have your muscle in Fezzik. You have your, your speed and agility and fighting prowess and, uh, and Ingo. And then you have the brains. Wallace Shawn as Vizzini. <laughs> I'm sure you'll know him no, from, yeah. some, um, from a trilogy. From two things. Uh, of course, in Toy Story, he's the voice of Rex. Exactly, and also he was in Clueless. He's a voice in Up. I mean, in uh, The Incredibles as well. He's the boss. Oh, really? He's a uh, Mr. Incredibles boss when he's in. And his... it's normal. Yep. Okay. Incredibles is probably not my least favorite Pixar, but I don't like it as much as like a lot of other people. It, it's okay. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. I think my least favorite Pixar is uh, a Bug's Life. Not really with care that. for a Bug's Life. Oh Bugs. no no. no. I've never watched Cars. I, uh, so oh, I can speaking. Of, yeah, Cars Two is the worst. The again, like I, I didn't, I never, I didn't see Cars so many five years after it came out, or you know, just actually last year is when I first saw that movie, the first Cars. It wasn't like it was nothing what I expected. It was actually it was enjoyable. It was, I'd say it's more of a classic Pixar as opposed to like kind of like they're kind of doing a little deeper. Movie. It's not as deep as like Wally or Up or anything. I mean, it's very. See, that's one to me that. Um... That I don't like as much as other people. Not that I don't like it, but which one? Uh, uh, Wally. Wally. Yeah, I thought it was okay. The robot's just so damn cute. No, it's a, it's a, you know, he was awesome. I yeah. just didn't, didn't care for the rest. But they've had some Ratatouille. I love Ratatouille. Some people think it's kind of one of the it's worst. It's one of those mid ones for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, I don't think it's their best. I don't think mm-hmm. it's their worst. I love up. I love every Toy Story. Finding Nemo's. No, yeah. probably my, my favorite scene in Ratatouille is when the big rats punch punching tender the eyes in the meat. That was a one of those I couldn't quit laughing in yeah. the theater moments. Along with the, um, there's one part where one of the rats is trying to eat some grapes that's in the storage shelf. Oh, that that's hilarious to me. <laughs> and the uh, like an up when the dog has his voice messed up. That's just that's one of the <laughs> funniest moments in film history when when Alpha first talks. <laughs> I lost my shit in the theater like. I was the hardest one laughing. That was so genius. I had to... Uh, when I laugh so much, I usually try to cover my face because I don't want to do that. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I had to. <laughs> Even today, when like that, I will laugh every time. That's it's it's not what it doesn't lose its impact because it's so. And it's something even something little. 
Yeah. Liar, liar, I lost... Not liar, liar. Bruce Almighty, I lost it when he said he wanted to spoo, and then it came <laughs> out. Because mm-hmm. that's... I, I don't know why. It was so hilarious to me at that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. I love... And that's some of the genius... Like, I love when a comedy has stuff that... You know, I mean, the spoon thing's a little more direct, but more so on the Pixar thing, where like, it's not so much the main yeah. thing. To, it's just... That's just a bonus. It's like a bonus thing to laugh at. Like, and it's, I love when they do that. But, uh, let me see. Uh, Wallace Shawn, of course, was Vecini. Uh, Fred Savage. Wow. Yeah. Wonder Years. Okay. Yeah. He was a grandson. Moving on. Uh, Peter Falk, the grandfather, the g- late, great Peter Falk. Uh, of course, most people know him from Columbo. He was also in a, uh, a Wim Wenders film called Wings of Desire, which is a really long but good movie. It was actually remade as another movie, which you might have heard of, called City of Angels. Oh, speaking of which, has Meg Ryan. Yeah. And, of course, Nicolas Cage, the greatest actor of all time. Uh, so, yeah, there's that connection. And then just, you have all these great actors in this movie, and then just to add frosting to the cake, they throw in Carol Kane as Valerie, the wife of Miracle Max, who's also from Annie Hall and Dog Day Afternoon. And uh, she's the, I remember her mainly, honestly, from the Seinfeld episode. She's the one where the writer throws the tape recorder out of the car and hits her in the head. Oh, And then he throws it again at the end of the episode out the window, and it still hits her in the head. (laughs) That's that's just my favorite Carol Kane role. I keep hitting the mic today. Sorry, guys. Uh, And, of course, last but not least, Billy Crystal, Miracle Max. Phenomenal. I mean, Gandalf, watch out. This dude knows his shit. Uh, of course, Billy Crystal, City Slickers, Harry Met Sally, analyze this. We talked about him last episode. But what a great cast. And uh, I guess, okay, before I taint anything, I might have to bring everybody back up to a good mood after you give what you think about it since you said I'm going to hate you. I'm going to let you go first, as I normally do, just so after the children out there are crying because you didn't like this movie, if what you're leading to me believe is true, or if you're pulling my leg again, we'll see. But... I think it's a leg pulling. I think so too, but let's see. (laughs) Daniel Santangelo, what did you carefully now think of The Princess Bride? If it came on again, I'd watch it right now. (laughs) (laughs) But I haven't watched it before. Yeah, this is what your second time or so to see it? It's better as the more I watch it, I think. (laughs) Oh, oh, damn right. Damn Um, right. Oh, I, I really liked it. I mean, it's not like it's not willow level will never be but mm-hmm. it's up there in terms of like the the whole adventurous yeah. type you know rescue blah 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 um the acting was good should you expect that <laughs> <laughs> I mean of course some acting was Andre Giants has a little trouble sometimes with his lines and you could tell he does which is I mean let's forgive it I mean but in, in that situation that's acceptable but for just the some part me- he was playing, memorable characters. Oh, definitely. That's yeah. the main thing about every it, one you know? of them, practically. To me, <laughs> this is one of those movies where the characters and the story outweigh anything. Yes. Yeah, flog- mm-hmm. because it feels like it was filmed on a movie set. Yeah, yeah. But you look past that because of everything that's going on. Exactly. Um, that was nicely put. Mm-hmm. Very much. Uh, we're gonna give our little cohort here, Jesse. What do you think of it? Because you have watched this movie a ton. And I would say I liked it <laughs> because I watched it so much. I was introduced by um, to this from my cousin, and this was like mid '90s. Never heard of it till really? that point. Yeah, he introduced me to that, and uh, I want to say Kroll, maybe mm-hmm. <laughs> one better than the other, yeah, but still, distinctly better than the other. It's one of my still respectable favorite. that Kroll, you know, made its way on the '80s revisited yeah. uh, logo. Yeah, well, I needed something to. <laughs> To separate it, so you went with the Kroll yeah. star. Yeah, those two movies. <laughs> but yeah, great movie, great movie. 
you know, like as I've gushed over it already, uh, it is one of my top five, maybe even top three movies of all time. Uh, it's to me, it's Shawshank plus ten. Like if it's on, I'll watch it no matter what. Like I cannot not watch this movie hmm. if it's on, and it's not yeah. on as much as Shawshank. What is your number one movie that I must know. watch once when it's on? That's like such a hard question to put on the spot with. I mean, there's yeah. there's so many. Mine yeah. probably is Shawshank. I mean, mm-hmm. honestly, I'll probably say Princess off the top of my head. And of course, we're talking about it, so it probably sure. taints it. But uh, there are a few. Mo- I mean, everybody has those movies that, no matter what anybody else thinks, you just love to death. No, mm-hmm. no matter what, this is a movie that you grew up on. You know that kind of thing. Like uh, like for for Will, you know Willow for you is a huge part of your childhood. This movie is such a huge part of my childhood. When it came out in '87, I was like, "Oh my god, this movie's so good!" Just loved everything about it. As a kid, rented it repeatedly. Yeah, you know, I mean, they they should have just always had it set aside for when I walk in the door. And well, just, you could just bought it. <laughs> I should have just bought it. <laughs> event, the, actually, this was one of the not one of the first. This is one of the first movies that I actually saved up my money to buy because. Uh, Back in our day, when you had movie stores to rent movies, uh, they'd always, you know, movie the way a movie store would work, they'd order like ten copies of a movie when a new release and to rent out, and then as you know, they need space, they eventually get down to one. They sell their preview copies for like twenty bucks, which yeah. in '80s money and '80s allowance money is <laughs> yeah. a shit ton of money. But I saved up the like 1995 to buy the previewed copy of Princess Bride, like the second we saw it, and I was like, Mom, like if you get it for me, I'll pay you back. And I've worked, I had to mow lawns to. <laughs> pay it back but uh this movie just it's there's certain movies that just strike chords with you personally uh like recently for me uh i know y'all both seen it les miserables like i didn't know anything about that movie went in i was blown away yeah. i just like i enjoyed god it. i love that movie it was just so good and the whole package was great uh sunshine is one of my favorite movies uh last temptation of christ like blew me away just because i didn't know i just heard controversy about it and then i watched it like wow this is like saying something really awesome uh you know, there's so many movies like that, but you know, in in those movies, you know, which are uh, in a sense, in a way more big budget slash uh, artsy, maybe might be the wrong word to even use, but you know, and then and and then the Princess Bride for me is like one of those. So it's it's just people probably gonna laugh at me when I watched Signs that blew me away. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 that movie was awesome to me. Oh yeah, mm. I would completely agree with that. I mean, it's not this level for me, but yeah. <laughs> you know. <laughs> And again, uh, you know, as 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 so often on this podcast, we tend to talk about a movie that uh, I, is that I just grew up on or that I've seen numerous times, with the exception of Dirty Dancing. <laughs> Another one, uh, The Shining. Mm-hmm. That, that, that's one of my favorite movies I've seen last year. <laughs> so, of all the, well, quick aside, like of all the movies that we've done on the podcast that you haven't seen, not counting Star Wars, because I'm I'm not going to hold you. To the standard of loving Star Wars, you would say The Shining's probably your favorite of counting I mean, Star Wars. The Shining is my favorite. I, I, that's why. I, I, that's why I excluded that, Daniel. I didn't want you to hear it. Let me remove thine dagger from my heart. To continue, hey, you had to choose Star Wars, or if you had to choose uh, Empire Strikes Back or Princess Bride, that's like that's you choose terrible. one now. Choose a You can put a gun to my wife's head first, then I'll choose. No, I'm just saying, like you. you you had a hard day at work. You want to come home, get you some popcorn. Well, I can honestly answer that question. If it was between one of the Star Wars movies and the Princess Bride, I'd pick Princess Bride. Simple, and the, the logic is because that's only one part of the. What good is Empire Strikes Back without? After I watch it, I can then watch Return of the Jedi <laughs> and cheer at the end when the Death Star blows Willow up. Willow or Princess Bride? 
that's harder. I mean, well, see, when I asked you the question earlier about you know which one you would watch, it's like if you turned on the television, you saw it was like you saw all two thirds through. You know, it's yeah. like at the end of the second act. Which movie would you choose? Like to one's watch? on TNT, one's on yeah, Spike. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just honestly, probably Princess Bride. Yeah, simply but a length. Mm-hmm. It's I mean it's a, it's a shorter movie, so like you know it's it's not like it's gonna take you me in two hours to dedicate time to it. Not that that's the detriment, but also it, it's as much as I love Star Wars and any other movies, Princess Bride's one of the most quotable fun movies to mm-hmm. me. Yeah, it's just you know, in fact, there's been instances where she's been flipping channels, my wife's been flipping channels, and I'll hear like one little <laughs> marriage. I'm like, you watch a Princess Bride? And it's on the ch- it's on this channel, and then I'm like, click click, you know, I'll go back in there. And watch it, and then go play a game. Yep. So, Even though you got the DVD, exactly. It's it's one of those. And, and the thing is, since it's not like an R movie, you know, it, it's not exactly edited for television. Yeah. So it's not like you feel inclined to know that the Blu-ray or the DVD is sitting right there, and I can just go put it on because I know if it's on TV, and I'm not missing anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, hmm. Yeah, but this movie is just so. But it, it has fucking awesome. Really good time length to fit a two-hour uh, time frame. Yeah. On TV, that way. It, was the hour and thirty minutes or something? Yeah, it's like right. Seemed at like it. it will work pretty well. Yeah, when you yeah. add commercials and all that, it yeah. just fits perfectly. But yeah, yeah. Uh, I liked it. If I had to give it a score, hold on, uh-huh. that's later. <laughs> hold up. <laughs> anyway, let's get on some trivia here because I think this once we get into the talking about some of the things I want to bring up, it might be a heated episode near the end, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. But uh, the fencing masters that are brought up in the duel between Wesley and Ningo. Or actually real sword fighting styles. Like, I find that most people desire Kappa Fail. I thought it appropriate considering the Rocky Train. All that kind of stuff. Those are actual names, although they're not using those particular styles. Of course, but yeah, someone looked it up and <laughs> wrote it in the script. <laughs> not on the internet research. at the time, but you know. <laughs> and uh, I think this probably, if I could go be on the set of almost any movie, this would be one of the ones I'd like to go to, simply from like just the fact of some of the, the stuff I'm about to say. Uh, but Rob Reiner had to be in the bedroom scene the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> that was the only scene you could be in. <laughs> Wouldn't mind. Uh, well, no, it's that little kid telling the story. Oh, I'll, I'll talk about when Wesley's on the bed. No, no, I'm talking about you just get to watch Fred Savage uh, tell a story. <laughs> or listen to a story more accurate. That's like, that's like but the, you're listening to Peter Falk. So. That, that'd be cool, but that's like when the devil like the devil I makes know. a deal. Like, exactly. Oh, you want to watch that's The Princess Bride at. being made? Give me your soul. <laughs> okay, poof. Poof. All right, guys. You're sitting on the other side of the bed. <laughs> like, who's that? Oh, Don't man. Mind it's like every it's like it's like Groundhog Day. Uh, we gotta we gotta shoot this again. Like, oh god! Oh, no. It's not even the end where it's good. It's the whole whining part. Uh, but Rob Ron actually had to leave the set when they were uh, filming Billy seen. Crystal scenes because he would laugh so hard. No, that's uh, good. Just cause, and I, I, there ha- like we were talking about. Uh, I can't remember what movie we were bringing it up to where that we oh uh, Luke's talking. There has to be some X rated R rated outtakes of Billy Crystal as there had to be with. I'm sure there had to be with uh, Bruce Willis. I would love to hear some of that. Like, what he, the crap he would say while they're on mm. set and he's putting something in his mouth and doing all this stuff, talking to his wife. He had to say some off-the-wall shit. <laughs> but uh, along those same lines, uh, Manny Patinkin said that the only injury he sustained while they were filming was a bruised rib from laughing so hard during his scenes with Billy Crystal. So wow. that had to be a blast. And this was really interesting because, you know, you think of Andre the Giant as a big, strong dude. Well, because of his size and the way gravity works on this planet... He's really not. Uh, uh, his back problems at the time, because he wasn't, I don't think he was still wrestling actively at the time. He was more like a, just a, doing an appearance type thing. 
but they prevented him from actually lifting anything heavy. So in the end where he's actually holding Robin Wright Penn as she jumps out the window and floats majestically into his arms, uh, he's actually braced and she's on a wire. So he's not bearing her full, even her full weight like would cause him pain, mm. uh, which is uh, a shame. And speaking, and there's a couple things about Andre too, uh, his thick accent prevented him from like kind of delivering some of his lines clearly, which is obviously evident oh, yeah. <laughs> in the film. Uh, in fact, it, I had to, even as a adult, and like with the when the DVD came out with clear audio and everything, oh, that's what he says, <laughs> you know. And I, I, I'm not one for captions to turn on captions or anything. So like, oh wait, I didn't realize he said that there. Like, okay, it makes sense now. Yeah. And I can't think of what scene I'm thinking of, but there you can understand him better as the format you're watching it in. Its quality increases. Uh, but uh, he would his accent was so thick you couldn't understand. Other actors couldn't understand what he said was saying if he said his line right, etc. So there's one point where Mandy Patinkin just slapped him in the face to make him concentrate harder and probably didn't get power bombed or choke slammed. <laughs> what but, was uh, his move? I don't even remember. I think he just kind of he had a just overhead he just chop like, or yeah, something like overhead like because like, yeah. he was so big and mm. and he was so when they were filming with Robin Wright Penn and it, it was cold out, out there when they were filming uh, certain scenes. Uh, he would put his hand on her head to keep her head warm, and like his, from what they said, his hand like went from like her chin to chin. Like his hand was Jeez. so big, and I guess she was. It's a hand helmet. You know, like she said, it kept her entire head warm. Like he was just resting his hand on her head, uh, just to give you a scope of just how big that he was. I mean, he was tall, but he was also big. I mean, yeah. huge guy. Uh, and this is really, really interesting, tying into the Schwarzenegger thing we uh, talked about earlier. Uh, but when Goldman was working on the screenplay, he wanted Schwarzenegger to play the role of Fezzik. But this hmm. was, you know, earlier in the 80s before Schwarzenegger became the star he had by the time this released in 87. Because, of course, between that time you had Predator, Terminator come out. Schwarzenegger's an action star now. So they couldn't afford him. Uh, so then they went with their... Uh, actually, let me get this right. Because I think they, they wanted Andre... At, did they want Andre at first? No. Okay. Let me start over. He wanted Andre at first, but that's when they started working on the film pre, way early pre-production... That's when Andre was still a wrestler, and they couldn't get him. So they're like, oh, let's do Schwarzenegger. Well, then, by the time they actually got around to doing the movie, the roles kind of switched to where Schwarzenegger was too high in demand and too expensive, right. but Andre could be able to do it. So they got, that's how they got Andre the Giant to work in it, hmm. uh, which is interesting. I mean, it, uh, it would be awesome to see Schwarzenegger in this movie, but I'm happy with Andre. It would also be very odd, though. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> <laughs> then he'll do the commentary. Oh and god! Drowns out everybody. This is oh, this is the part where I slam you against the rock. <laughs> oh, oh, I remember this day. Oh, look, I'm gonna roll you over and, and hold you down. <laughs> oh, it's so exciting. This is where you stab the dude. <laughs> oh god! <laughs> it's funny. I mean, it's completely uninformative, but it's so entertaining at the same time. At least oh, yeah. the one time you watch it, because you'll never listen to the commentary again. We're talking about the Total Recall commentary, which can yeah. be. Uh, if you want to hear more about that, I'm not sure what episode, but it's a Geekly Dose episode where they yeah. go into great detail and even play some clips. So <laughs> check that out, everybody. Uh, and in the scene where Christopher Guest's Count Rugen hits Wesley over the head after they emerge out of the fire swamp, uh, Carrie Ells actually told him, like, you know, just actually hit me for, for the scene. Well, he did, and they ended up having to rush him to the hospital for the rest <laughs> of the day because he hit him too hard. He took the opportunity. He took the blow. <laughs> <laughs> this is for the... This is, this is for playing in Saw in the future. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Which is funny. Uh, <laughs> and R-O-U-S's, Dana, you still don't remember what R-O-U-S's are? Nope. Rodents of Unusual Size? Oh, those things. Yeah. I don't think they exist. <laughs> Great scene. Anyway, the like the hissing and voice Actually, of those I was, was Rob do- Reiner. I was doing something when that <gasps> part came 
Yeah, I didn't sit right at the TV the whole time. You weren't glued to the film like, oh my God, this is so amazing. Wow. Mm-hmm. Single tear rolls down my cheek. Uh, I got a kid. I know. She should have been there with you. She'd have been like, ooh. Her first words could have been, you know, as you wish. Mm-hmm. No. How awesome would that have been? Yeah. Every time you ask her to do something, she's like, as you wish. <laughs> That's the only word she says for the first six years. <laughs> then she disappears and comes back. Yeah. And is quite witty and chatty and can sword fight. Uh, and she's but a I'll, pirate. <laughs> yeah. That would be pretty awesome. Yeah. But she, I guess she'd be a Somali pirate because that's all we have these That's days. Like got South Park episodes. <laughs> Somali pirates, we. Uh, but this was funny too. Uh, when William Golden was on set one day, he was on set for the fire swamp scene, uh, as writers are often on movie sets. And the scene where Buttercup's dress catches on fire because of the uh, uh, fire burst, mm-hmm. uh, he just freaked out and he ruined the take by going, "Oh my God, her dress is on fire!" And like ran to help put it out, which that was part of the scene. So he like. Yeah. It wasn't even thinking, so you ruined the take, which is pretty what funny. What are all these cameras doing here? <laughs> why, are we not, why are we not in Florida anymore? <laughs> What's happening to my reality? It's a mouth breakdown. I've never been here before. <laughs> my words are coming to life. <laughs> what is happening? My imagination is given form. I'm a, I'm a mutant. Uh, uh. Speaking of the fire swamp and the R.O.U.S.s, they were actually... Uh, Dwarves, little people in the suits, uh, acting it out, obviously, when they're slither- uh, not slithering, but scamping across the ground. Uh, on the day they were filming the one where Wesley gets attacked by it and wrestles with it, uh, the little, they, in the trivia was actually in quotes, the rat actor got pulled over for speeding and was delayed, and he got arrested, and they had to go bail him out and then film the scene. <laughs> so I'm assuming the little dude, like, talked some shit to the cop or something, or traffic laws were just really strict in England back then. <laughs> I guess, you know... Jeez. I don't know. So they had actually had to bail him out, which is pretty funny. <laughs> uh, and we spoke, uh, talk about how jokingly Manny Patinkin said his, he uh, bruised a rib laughing so hard at uh, Billy Crystal. There was actually an injury on set. Other than, actually, they, well, getting hit on the head was one anyway to carry L's, but he had another one. He broke his toe. And I thought this was a pretty funny story. Uh, while they were shooting the scene with a high grassy slope, kind of where he throws himself, where Buttercup, uh, she, uh, she pushes him down, and she... He's like, as you wish. And then she mm-hmm. goes, oh, Wesley. And she throws herself yeah. swan diving off the cliff, too, or down the hill. Uh, while they were filming that, uh, it was right near the same place where uh, him and Andre the Giant's fight scene was, in that same kind of area. Anyway, uh, Andre, because of his size, again, couldn't walk up the slope. So he actually had a little go-kart, not a go-kart, but a golf cart, I should say, to drive up there, uh, drive up the hill. Uh, and uh, he threw L's, the carry L's the keys to to move it or something, just like, oh, you move it for me, or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And when he threw it, Carrie Ellis went to catch it, and his foot got caught between a rock and broke his toe. And there's, later on in that scene, uh, you can see him briefly limping for like one segment. In the scene mm. where he's a very slight limp. You have, to kind of be look, uh, you have to kind of look for it to see it, but it's not like a major, my toe is broken, I can't yeah. act. He, was, you know, he worked through the pain and did the scene. And this was really cool. There was actually, historically, a real Dread Pirate Roberts. Uh... His real name was Bartholomew Roberts, uh, also known as Black Bart, and he operated in the Caribbean in the early 18th century. And he is believed by his, and he is held as many as the most successful pirate of all time. Hmm. Which, just because, even if he wasn't real, if anybody says, "Name your favorite pirate," it's obviously the Dread Pirate Roberts for me because he was in the Princess Bride, <laughs> and you know, he's he hands on the mantle to a successor, so he lives forever. Yep, it's in a sense, he's awesome. So. He could still be around. Exactly, patrolling the Caribbean. <laughs> 
Uh, and we talked about Mark, how Mark Knopfler did the music for it, uh, but he only agreed to write the music for this film if Rob Reiner uh, put the hat that Reiner wore in This Is Spinal Tap, which when we do that movie, you'll recognize the hat, uh, in the movie. And it's actually in the movie in Fred Savage's bedroom. Mm-hmm. That's an odd stipulation, but it is. he did it. Uh, and, uh, th- of course, like I said, William Goldman wrote the book for this, and I read the book, and the book's really, it's close but different. Very, it's very close but a little different. Uh, but it's still told in a, in a way to where, like the movie is, how it's a grandfather reading it, grandfather reading it to his grandson, but I think it was more so, if I remember correctly, William Goldman's dad telling him the story as he was a kid. And, uh, but as Goldman's in the book, he's saying like, and this is the part where this happens, but I didn't like this, so this is what really happened. And he, so it's very, it's not just like telling this story, the same story that Peter Falk's reading, but it's actually almost uh, just like the movie. You're seeing, you're basically getting commentary from a person as they're being told the story and they're changing it to how they want it to be. Right. In a sense. Uh, like for example, uh, uh, I'm going to get to one very specific one. One I remember from the book is that at the end when they're riding away and you know they have like the kiss and he's like, they lean together and that's it. And he's like, but I want to hear it. It's okay, it's blah, blah. And, they, and, they, and they, there are all these kisses in the world, this was the greatest, blah, blah, blah. But in the book, it's done the same way except as he's telling it, he's saying, what I didn't want well, to, I'm paraphrasing greatly, but like I, what dad, my dad was telling me was that, you know, as they're riding away, uh, the prince's men are coming after them right on their heels and Ingo's dying because of his wounds he's like, I don't like that ending. So this is the ending. And then he tells kind of what you see in the movie. Mm. Uh, but in the book, when Aningo finally extracts his revenge on Count Rugen, it's really freaking psychotic uh, and very graphic. <laughs> mm. uh, after telling uh, he wants his father back, you son of a bitch, uh, he doesn't just stab him in the chest. He starts to cut his heart out and hold it in front of him. Kind of sort of like Last of the Mohicans with Dan Day-Lewis, uh, where he wants to hold his heart in front of his enemy. Uh, however, as he's cutting his heart out, Count Rugen dies of fright. <laughs> in addition to the fact that his heart's being cut out. Right. But Inigo, even though he's dead, like he's still showing, showing it to him like, you know, I killed you, you son of a bitch, et cetera, et cetera. So if you want sort of to hear all the backstory on the story, or not backstory, but skewed versions of what you see in the movie, definitely check out the book. It's only, I mean, it's, uh, it's a short book. It's one of those uh, maybe 200 pages. But it's, mm. it's a quick read, but it's interesting, especially if you like this movie. It's definitely worth reading. Very similar, but there's, like I said, there's those stark differences, and the way it's told is akin to how it's presented in the movie, which makes it really cool to read. Uh, any guess on the body count? Hmm. I Nothing? Don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, did, the, did your kid make you get up for the body count part of the movie? I don't know. Messing with you. It's moderately high, huh? No? Oh. Well, let me let me I'll, when I when I was looking up, I guessed it was this number, and I was like three short. <laughs> not that I, not that I know if that helps you or not, but um, fifteen, way too high, half that. Really, I was I honestly was gonna say eight. You were in in a, in a game, you'd be closer. Mm. Six and a half. Six and a half. It's only a half because Comforting right, right, right. goes to kill Wesley. Wesley comes back thanks to Miracle Max. So. He's only half dead. As they, oh, there you go. As they say in the movie, he's only half dead. Half <laughs> dead I can work with. Bring him in. Uh, so, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, what I want to talk... Okay. I've, I've referenced this movie before. I think we were talking... It might have been the Will episode. We were talking about sword fights. 
the sword fight in this movie is probably my favorite sword fight of any sword fight in any movie. And then I think you, you I can't remember the episode, but you brought up like another one. I was like, oh, that one's good too, but I like this one a little bit better. Uh, I was like, yeah, Justin, I don't remember said that what for, movie that is. I'm just trying to think. Uh, I mean, but where do you draw the line of swords? Metal swords? I mean, yeah. like know, lightsabers. Jedi, yeah. You know, that's a different, I mean, that's in a, a different, sense, okay. that, that is a sword fight. And if, honestly, I would say that it counts because if I had to make a list of my five favorite sword fights in movies, it'd be. A whole bunch of Star Wars stuff, uh, Willow, and then uh, Man Morgan versus General Ko, and then Man in Black versus Ningo right. Toy. You know, and that, that, everything else will be Star Wars. Vader versus Luke. Vader versus uh, Empire. <laughs> Vader versus Luke Jedi. Uh, Anakin versus Obi Wan and Revenge of the Sith. Uh, yeah. But it's just God. This sword fight's just so awesome. And I've listened to the music before. It's like it's all it's all the music's all keyed to it, and it's just the dialogue is so great. It's just God dang, I love this movie. It's so good. <laughs> So damn good. So Daniel, any final thoughts? <laughs> Did you give thought? a score yet? Not yet. We're, okay. we're we're getting there. You want me to give my score? Okay, go ahead. My score would be about an eight point three. Woohoo! Like in that. the eights, that's like a nine. <laughs> <laughs> that's like a nine. I don't. Uh, it has to be. I mean, it's a nine point nine for me. This movie is so. <laughs> this I I love this movie so much. Like this, I grew up on this movie. As will my child. As will my child's child. This is this is just. What if a, your child doesn't like it? Yeah. You are not my son. <laughs> I'll be like three hundred. I'll hold them over the pit and they'll watch the movie and if they like it, I'll bring them back. If not, not I drop them to the wolves and see what happens. But yeah, this is again like now I'm, I'm I'll be the first of it. I am completely biased towards this movie because it's it's like the original Superman uh, and of course Star Wars and uh, movies like that. First Back to the Future. I watched it. 20 million times when I was a kid over and over if it came on I had it before I had the VHS I actually had it you know recorded off TBS on a VCR like with the commercials and everything just so I could watch it mm. repeatedly so this movie is it's a it's a part of me it's a part of who I grew up to be so to speak and anyone toy is one of my favorite movie characters of all time so that'll do it I think that will do it and uh anyway so that's our scores but uh so, Dana, who would win in a fight, Mad Mardigan or Inigo Montoya? I know you're going to say already, but I'm trying to spark a debate. Uh, I would say Mad Mardigan. He's the greatest swordsman that ever lived. Oh, he says he is, <laughs> but is he really? Well, how do you know that Inigo is? Well, he was like maybe, you know, let's say... He thir- couldn't even beat old Carrie Elvis. Well, that's because... He is not left-handed. <laughs> the same. <laughs> he uses his own trick against him. Well, well, well then, by, well, you know, that's that's a good point. No, wait, no, that's a good point. Maybe Ben Mardigan is better than Inigo Montoya, but not better than the Dread Pirate Roberts. Maybe so. Well, what if he's better than both? He could be. He but could be worse than both. He could be. I mean, let's know, let's leave that. Send let's, in your vote. <laughs> To 80srevisited at gmail.com. No, that's one that we should just let leave. That's one of those, hey, would you alone have found out? No. And I, 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 really, yeah. I actually wouldn't because I wouldn't want to have them lose. I mean, honestly, whichever one wins, I'm fine with. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it'd be like Stanley says in the comics. Like, you can't have them, you can't have two heroes fight each other because then you're saying one's better than the other. It always has to be a draw. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much verbatim what Stanley said. True. Uh, which I agree with, but... uh if 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 there was a death match like for if there was you know if there was a podcast hint hint called movie death match and there's you, you take two characters and debate who's going to win in a fight 
I'd be hard pressed. I wouldn't be upset with who won, but I'd be hard pressed to have to say who I think should win because there's there's two of the greatest characters ever. They should just be fight back to back and like fight the entire army of Sauron. How go. awesome would that be if when it's when better. when Aragorn comes out of the ship and Return of the King and the ghosts don't come out, but like and he can win Toy and Marty and like walk out. Their swords drawn. My Morgan does this little flip thing, and, and Ingo just takes his dramatic stance, and they just waste all those fucking dudes. We gotta make that for Lord you. Lord of the Rings There's director's cut. cut. There somewhere. <laughs> we gotta make that happen for you. I wish that would just make my gall damn day. <laughs> uh, anyway, now we have our two. Uh, our next segment is Back to the Future, which I meant to talk to you before we went on air to even decide what to talk about. Guys, I have no clue. Yeah. <laughs> What this is? Damn it, me either. What happened recently? We can talk about. We did this like two episodes ago too. Oh, we just yeah, we just like oh yeah, we something? forgot because we were, we were talking about Back to the Future, so it, it was like uh, let's talk about something recent. Uh, what do you think of the Pope retiring? That's his decision. He should be allowed to do it. Now the prophecy of the popes. Have you heard of that? No, it's like they say the next pope will be the last one before the fall of Catholicism. Really? So that's interesting. Because <laughs> why? Like, is the prophecy like once the it's, next pope it's an, retires? It's Saint Malachi's uh, prophecy hmm. from like 1600s or something. Really? Like that. As, and is it based on like is it prophecy? Well, I know you're looking it up, but is it like the number of popes to where this pope numbered? So I didn't this? do much research on that, but um, I'm sure it's probably going around media right now because of yeah, the pope I retiring. Caught it on Facebook, but. <laughs> But, uh, oh, wow. I'm sure a bunch of people started messing with oh, it yeah. um, on Wikipedia as soon as that news broke off. But you can see Let's the first. Let's see. It's a tribute to St. Malachi. Blah, 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 blah. They purport to describe each of the Roman Catholic popes along with a few anti-popes, beginning with Pope blah, 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 and concluding with current Pope Benedict the uh, fort, uh, yeah, 14th successor. 16th, I'm sorry, you're right. Successor. Pope described in the prophecy as Peter the Roman, whose pontificate will end in the destruction of the city of Rome. Well, we will find out shortly. <laughs> <laughs> so if the next pope is Saint is uh, Pope Peter the whatever number, it's then... the cause of World War Three. Peter the Roman. <laughs> we will see. Or uh, the conspiracy nuts are going to link it like, oh, oh the, he was, uh, his grandfather's from Rome, and he was, his name in Germanic is Piotr could, or something. Always be a conspiracy to anything. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, yep. Every single thing. Mm. <clears throat> I mean, and if, even if you can't think of one, it's all just, oh, everybody's, you know, they're reptilian. Mm. <laughs> you ever heard, have you ever heard of that conspiracy theory, David Icke? About what? That About? the world is ran by a subversive race of reptilians who, sort of like V, they're like, they look like us, mm. but there's actually reptilians that run the world. Mm. There's, a, there's a book, everybody, go read it, <laughs> or, or check it out. It's called the uh, the Biggest Secret by David Icke. I think his last name is I I C K E or just I one I. Why don't we write something like that just to make an amount of money for nothing? Well, when you do that, you have there's two there's two paths that happen when you write something like that. One is the David Icke <laughs> path where you consider it a crackpot. The other one is when you're it becomes a religion and you become rich and a secluded, uh, crazy person like Elron Hubbard. So you know you either it's which path do you end up being when you write something that fucking crazy? <laughs> now, I have read The Biggest Secret, and he, what all he basically does is he goes in-depth to all these, like, it's, it's well-researched, but his conclusion is fucking bonkers. As that, oh, it's because it's of reptilian. Uh, <laughs> but he basically sums up all these conspiracies and, like, all this, like, you know, the Illuminati and all that kind of stuff along those lines. It's all about because it's reptilians who are here running the world. 
So, and in fact, if you go to YouTube and like just search reptilian, you get all these videos <laughs> where people say, oh, look, watch this, watch this reptilian shape shift out of form for a split second. And you watch it and it's so obviously CG uh, or After Effects or some, something, even Did iMovie. I mean, it's crappy. Like, uh, a real life mermaid, those type of videos. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, they, oh, yeah. Well, they do one underwater. There was one I used to watch, uh, I don't know if it comes on, it was called Fact or Fiction or something like that. But they, they took videos like that and they went out interviewed them and you know tried to duplicate the results to kind of give you know oh yes this was a hoax or no we actually can't explain this it was an interesting show but anyway they did one where it was a mermaid and uh i'm watching it they said this is a mermaid and you watch it and you look really closely at it and then a bubble goes by in the wrong direction they just filmed the fish swimming away but turned the camera Mm -hmm. so it looked like you know mermaids have like that other you know you know uh, a dolphin has a tail like that but no other fish has a, a, a a horizontal plane tail they're all like vertical, yeah. mm. playing like a shark. You know, a shark's yeah. tail is up, and then yeah, a dolphin's tail is Basically, think flat. of it as their fins going up and down compared to yeah, left, left and right. Exactly. Mm. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, you know, there's so many things. Finding Bigfoot, Jesus Christ. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's ghost hunters. Did you hear that? What? That, that was yeah. a howl. That's I heard a, a response. That's another thing we need to do. Ghost hunters. Yeah, just to make some money. <laughs> It's you not could. that much. Now, yeah, we got the myrtles nearby. It's not, much, it's not that much to it. Yeah. Oh, wait, I got a reading here. It's a In fact, we ought to go get a duplicate of the <laughs> the Ghostbusters. Uh, yeah. Damn it. What was it called? Son of a bitch. Uh, Neuralize? MP? Uh, no. No, uh, no, it's not near. What was that for? Oh, God. Brain fart. <laughs> Son of a bitch. I'm not getting an EKG. Is it EKG? No, that's a medical thing. Uh, what was that stupid handheld thing called? Oh, my God. Everybody's yelling it at their yeah. Everybody's uh, radio. It's a PKE. Right P- yeah, it was something PKE like yeah, it was PKE meter. meter. Yeah, exactly right. Good job, Dano. Uh, that's why you're on the podcast. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, and like, hmm, we all basically just do Ghostbusters, but everybody pretend to be one of the act like one of the characters. I'll be Egon. Egon. Or you could be Egon since you just did the Egon thing. <laughs> like spores, yeah. molds, and fungus. fungus. How do you collect? I guess you just have a bunch of test tubes. Like, oh, this is a fungus I got from the uh, Ulysses Vale in, uh, in Setsuma. Setsuma. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> it's a very rare fungus. It actually mutates into this other blah, blah, blah. Anyway, people don't, nobody want to hear about that. Uh, but also, now, I guess I was done with Back to the Future. There you go. We're we'll we'll done with I'll, Back to the Future. For yeah, I'll have a topic for next time. Give <laughs> this boat again. Uh, yeah. But also, now we have our new uh, topic, our new segment. Which we just debuted last time from our winner, Daniel, who won the contest for our new segment for Daniel. Yep. <laughs> and we still don't have a theme music for you yet, but we'll get on that. Hey, you know what I'm saying? Uh, we need to come up with a better name than Daniel's Wheelhouse. So. Sure. We'll, we'll do that later on. But um, last week was the uh, thing about kind of Mike Tyson with Carl, the Truth Williams. Mm-hmm. This week, I don't know if it exactly happened on the day that Princess Bride came out, but... One of the more famous things in NFL happened, and it was the NFL player strike. Oh. So if anybody's ever seen the movie The Replacements, it's kind of... Like that. A thought, yeah, back to that. Um, Great movie, by the way. We read off a little bit of here. The 1987 NFL player strike was the... It was during the 68th regular season of the NFL. Um, it was a 24-day strike, and it was called... Actually, they played two games, then the strike occurred. So they played the first two games of the season, yeah. and then then the strike occurred three and a half so weeks without one. During the third week, they just canceled the games, and 
After that, they decided to use replacement players, uh, <laughs> hmm. which that was happening. They should make a movie about that. Yeah. <laughs> that happened during week four to week six, and apparently it wasn't real well received because <laughs> after that, they immediately got back to work, all of the, the regular players and stuff. Sort of like akin to the referee strike. Uh, yeah. Was it last year? Or was, yeah, it was last year. It was year, the beginning right? of this year. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, um, yeah, because they had that, that Green Bay fiasco. That was this year. Yeah. What, was, what was interesting... Um, some of the names for the replacement <laughs> uh, player teams, I didn't know this. So they actually changed the team names, like for I the guess, replacement I player guess teams. Kind of like their nicknames okay. within a nick within their name. Like yeah. was some of them was the uh, San Francisco Phony Niners, <laughs> the uh, Chicago Spare Bears, <laughs> the uh, Washington Scabskins, the nice. Seattle Sea Scabs. Okay, and the my favorite, the New Orleans Saint Elsewheres. So, <laughs> there's your uh, little sports. What was the second one after the Phony Niners? Oh, Spare Bears. I would say that was my favorite until you said the St. <laughs> Elsewhere's. <laughs> that's genius. And, of course, we're uh, an hour, 50 miles from New Orleans, so that's our team. So Yeah, but uh, like I said, the strike didn't last long. You see how can people can uprise nowadays, too, with the yeah. ref strike. That didn't last long. The real refs got what they wanted. So. Yeah. There you go. So that is our sports kind of... Thanks, bat. Dano. Now to Jesse for the weather. <laughs> All right. It's uh, raining where you are. No, wait. No. It it's, could be. It could be raining. 50% chance of rain. rain wherever you are right now. But uh, in the real world, again, this was September 25th, 1987. Mm-hmm. Uh, on September 28th, three days after this, the second Star Trek TV series and the superior one, The Next Generation, premiered in syndication. Yeah. And also Hilary Duff was born. And enough about Hillary yeah. Duff. Uh, so that's pretty much it, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this fantastic discussion of one of the greatest movies ever made of all time, forever and ever. One of the greatest movies. I'm sorry, if they Your remake this, one. if they remake this movie, I will strike. Like, yeah, you, you'll always. We have will the go. Old one. 80s revisit will go on strike. Well, you saw what happened with Red Dawn, so. Yeah. <laughs> I still haven't seen it. I don't even. Is it even but out? I mean, it'll just crumb. I mean. It's gone already. You know? Yeah, it's just so. It's, I don't know. Just, just the idea of it irks me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, just the fact, like, oh, we need to remake this. What? But no one's gonna remember it next year. No one's yeah, gonna remember. Everybody's that's still true. gonna remember it, the '84 version. Well, so. well, you, that's that's. I think that's honest. I I believe that. But then there's that. There's just those few people out there. Oh God! Did you see when Thor defended? You know, like yeah. that, those that small group of young people that grow up on this one. Not not through any fault of their own, but just because their parents right. don't know any better. They're not raising their children correctly, showing them these remakes instead of these original movies. Yeah. <laughs> End of rant. I'll stop yep. there. But uh, if you need to contact us for any reason, which we always appreciate, and you might win stuff when we have contests, of course, uh, but our, uh, you can reach us via email at 80srevisited at gmail.com. No apostrophe needed in there. Also on Facebook at Awesome, po- uh, at awesome Podcast Network. And then on Twitter at Awesome Podcasts. Plural. Mm-hmm. But uh, in addition to this awesome podcast, which you just are listening to now on the Awesome Podcast Network, there are two other ones are currently on hiatus, but all the old episodes are still up there, and you should definitely check them out. One being Geekly Dose with Tim Bridgewater and Stephen Nocentelli. And uh, they will be back uh, once I get some stuff worked out, To because, uh, of course, Stephen moved to Seattle. We know they're going to be doing an E3 coverage one, so look forward to that uh, around May when E3 hits. And the other podcast, Daniel? is yes. <laughs> Duo Attack, which is... 
you know, on hiatus, but there's a bunch. How many episodes did y'all do? Maybe not a bunch, I uh, should not say. A bunch, but like half a bunch. Or something like but that. But still, though, it's one of those things Lucky where... Lucky number 13. Yeah. It it doesn't expire. There, yeah. I mean, yeah, you the pieces are always going to be that piece, you know. And, mm-hmm. yeah. and pretty much all the pieces that y'all, mm-hmm. for the most part, talked about and went over were still... Uh, I want to say still modern age legal anyway, so... Oh, yeah, we went up to uh, Chaos War, I believe. Yeah, so yeah, a, so a lot of, of relevant in, uh, information, since every team at Worlds last year was uh, composed of oh, yeah, Chaos yeah. War stuff. So, I mean, a lot of good info still on there, everybody. Those old episodes never go away. They're fun to, quote-unquote, revisit, hint, hint. Uh, so definitely check them out. And, again, we always thank you guys and girls for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And uh, next week... We're not going to tell you what we're going to do. Not because we didn't think to think about it and decide mm-hmm. on it beforehand, but because we want it to be a surprise. What about a hint? Uh, it's an 80s movie. <laughs> There's a male actor in it, as oh. well as a female. Okay. There's some sort of thing that the protagonist that must overcome. Predator again. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> an alien. Well, that's yeah. a, we already did aliens. Uh, what else did that rule out? I don't know. <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> crawl? <laughs> it's not crawl next week. Pretty much a perfect storm from the 90s. Yeah. yeah. Man <laughs> against nature. Joe versus the volcano is out. <laughs> All right. Whatever. Okay. <laughs> this would be a good movie. All right. <laughs> All right. Anything else, guys? About. No. All righty. Until next time, everybody. I'm Trey Harris. And I'm Daniel San Angelo. Jesse Sedgley. Kawa, as you wish, Bunga. Oscar. Warcraft 2 music. <laughs> Captain on the bridge. Scroll. Zug zug. We're complete. <laughs> and you want me to keep? Deo gratia. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> yeah, now do it. Deo gratia. <laughs> Sounds just like it. <laughs> By your command, my liege, your eminence. Who you want me? Would you already say that? Yeah. Oh, I did. <laughs> what hope? I'm ready. I'm not ready. <laughs> okay. Yes, you You're making me seasick. Find this show and more at the Awesome Podcast Network's Facebook at facebook.com slash awesome podcast network and follow us on Twitter at awesome podcasts.